Hello, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. What you're about to listen to is the audio version of my weekly live streams on Instagram and Facebook, which you are welcome to join every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay. (laughs) Hello, Instagram. Welcome to another weekly live. I think I'm live with yours truly, Dr. Webb. And today we have another special guest. This one, this guest is the founder and CEO of Nah, I'm Just Pretty. So I know a lot of my followers also follow her. So you're probably already familiar with her and the work that she does. But if not, you're in for a treat, I promise you. So she'll be joining us shortly for a Q&A. And before we jump into that, I do have some announcements. Y'all know, because I've been saying it every week since January, the writing contest is still underway, but only for a little bit longer. The deadline is April 30th. So if you haven't submitted your writing, there's still time. Don't worry. Um, We accept poetry, prose. It is international. So no worries or issues about that. And it's open to everyone, right? So I've even had... um, people who consider themselves white submit to the colorism healing writing contest because it can be about your personal experiences but it can also be about how you have come to recognize your own privilege it could be about how you recognize your own biases about color in your life right so even if you're you know light-skinned if you're not a person of color if you're a man right we all have a perspective and opinion on colorism and so you're happy. To, I'm happy to accept whatever your perspective is. I even had someone DM me and ask if they could submit a screenplay, like a TV, like they wrote a TV pilot for an episode for a TV show on colorism. And I was like, yes, please submit your, your screenplay. <laughs> and I look forward to not just reading it, but also watching it. Um, also, another announcement I posted today that registration is open for group coaching. I mentioned this last week, but... I'm doing group coaching for dark-skinned women specifically. I've been doing individual coaching, and that's open to people of all skin tones and all races. But for the group coaching piece, I'm just limiting it to dark-skinned women to create a safe space where we can unpack and help each other, support each other on our healing journeys. So if you're interested in that, DM me for more details. I'm happy to chat with you about um, all of that. So I see that LaVonda has sent her request, so I'm going to bring her on now. In the meantime, though, y'all know I like for you to say hello when you're hopping on. Make sure you say hi. Let us know where you're tuning in from. And let us know what the weather is like where y'all are. I, it's snowing. It snowed today. I'm like, come on, y'all. It's like almost the end of April. Like, really? (laughs) Anyway, hopefully it's sunny where you are. Um, So I'm going to bring LaVonda on here. And we're going to jump into this. It's going to be fire. Fire. I hope I pressed the right button. <laughs> press the right button. Did I press the right? Oh, there you go. Okay. Yay. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I wanted us to be twins. Oh! I'm, I'm just now seeing it. <laughs> Love it. You are so cute. Um, so you're down in St. Louis, right? You're like uh, not too far south of me, but because you are south, I'm guessing the weather might be different. What's your weather like today? It's snowing. It's okay. cold. I'm See, just like, what, what is this? But I'm also used to it. I, I, I spend a lot of time in Detroit, and you can oh. experience four seasons 
within three to four hours. So oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll have my hoodie and the coat with the flip-flops on the side. You know, you just used yeah. to the people in St. Louis, they get all crazy about this weather. It's my yes. <laughs> in Louisiana, it feels like that too. It felt like, you know, drastic weather shifts, but never like 66 one day and 36 the next day. I'm like, and it's snowing? I was like, no, 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 no. Come on, Midwest. <laughs> right? Get it together. <laughs> I know. Um, but okay, so let me say hello to the folks in the chat who uh, have hopped on. Uh, you know, I always like to announce where people are watching from. So Montessori Marvels, sunny day in Brooklyn. Hey, Brooklyn in the house. Good. Okay, Good PK. Day. Hola from Armando Rivera. Hey, hey. Um, love this. Thanks for your work. Thank you for being here. Um, let's see. We have Sunny SoCal. Okay. From Naya Oxygen. I think hey, Philly. I, you know, I always butcher uh, screen names. But Sunny and SoCal, we have to come visit y'all in the sunshine. Um, I am Shonda Rule. Hi from Vienna. It's gray every day. <laughs> every day is gray. I can, we kind of almost get, we're almost there in, here in Springfield with the gray days. Um, hey, Sarah Barnhart things. Hi from Philly. What's up, Philly in the Shout house? To Philly. And Sunny on the coast in Washington. Very nice. Okay, so everybody else is having sunshine but us. How about that? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let's jump in. You know, you've seen a lot of these. So, I, A, I want to thank you for being a part of this community, right, and supporting colorism healing as part of this collective effort to address this systemic issue. Absolutely. Um, and I know of all the guests I've had on so far, you're the only one that I actually spoke to before. <laughs> like, really? Had like a live conversation with because we've been on panels together, right? Like yes. you know, the, the ROM Foundation had a packed podcast panel, panel. And I remember my mom was like, yeah, I liked, I liked that lady who was, you know, saying this. So I was like, oh yeah, that's from now. I'm just pretty. You know her. Um, but for other folks who may not be as familiar with you, yes. please share a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, first off, Dr. Webb, thank you for having me on Colorism Healing. Uh, it's such an honor and a privilege. I don't think you understand. Um, I always call you like my unofficial mentor in my head. Um, but thank you for having me on your platform and to um, Colorism Healing followers. I'm LaVonja White. I'm the founder and CEO of Now I'm Just Pretty, and we are a social enterprise company, right? And so what we do is we use our revenue to figure out how we combat, how we can combat colorism through different initiatives, whether it's email initiatives or on the ground initiatives, but we want to use our revenue to combat colorism, right? So we just don't want to sell merchandise, but we want to educate, mobilize, and organize people around colorism. And how my business became about is because um, I just got tired of people telling me that I was pretty to be dark skinned. And I'm like, what the heck, right? And so I always knew that dark skin was seen as a weapon. It was kind of this unspoken like issue, but I didn't have the language to defend myself. I didn't know what it was until I was in my late 20s uh, living in Washington, D.C. And um, uh, the man told me for the last time, he's like, you're pretty to be dark skinned. And I was like, wait a minute, no, I'm just pretty, among some other words that I won't say on Dr. Webb's lies, because I have respect for the doctor, but I will tell y'all in my DM if you ask me what I told that joker, right? And then it was from there 
that I was like, let me kind of start to explore the, explore this word of colorism, right? And what does colorism mean? And how does it operate? And how did it, how does it show up? And what can I do to kind of combat colorism? And so that's how I gave birth to my baby. No, I'm just pretty. Um, and we're here today. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity, not only to kind of just spread what I'm doing, but to connect with you and to figure out, you know, what everyone else has got going on in the world. Yes. So how long has it been since you started it? So I started my business in 2018, y'all. But I was in grad school when I started my business. I almost gave up. I almost quit. I, I still work full time. I was in grad school and um, I had the opportunity to to vend at this vending event and I wasn't ready, but I just did it. And after that, God was like, all right, it ain't no turning back now. You kind of just you, you got to go um, and you just get better along the way. And so now I feel like that we're out of grad school. Now I really can just go and like put my foot on the pedal and um, kick off some of these organizing initiatives and figure out how we can all collaborate and come together around this monster. Yes, very nice. So 2018, I know I connected with you in 2020, which is like when I connected with most of the people on this page, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so hey, y'all. Right? Um, and I know that part of a big part of your story in terms of how you found that this business is with that particular comment. Um, but looking back, right? So going back even farther than that, and I'm sure you've been hearing that your entire life, perhaps, right? Absolutely. But what other kinds of experiences have you had with colorism besides that particular one? Um, that is a great question. And I believe for me, colorism started at home. So in St. Louis, if you are from St. Louis, it's like the Joan and Capitol, right? Like, at least for my family, like, they gonna join on you. They don't care who you is, if you're a friend or whatever, right? And so it started with the dark skin jokes from my cousins and from my uncles, just thinking that it was, you know, they're just playing, but um, I was internalizing that, right? And and so I internalized that and I was like, okay, you know, what's going on here? And then I go to school. Once I start going to school, there was the, um, the whole dating thing, right? And um, a lot of my friends were lighter than me or still are lighter than me. Um, and they would go on these dates and they would ask their friends, you know, oh, do you have a friend? And they're like, yeah, I got my girl. And they would say, oh, she lighter dark skin. Oh, she's dark skin. We'll send a picture of her first, right? So then I was like, wait a minute, what is going on? And they turn on a TV screen. And then, you know, there's no representation of a dark skin, you know, dark skin, beautiful woman, you know, in magazine print or videos, um, shows or anything like that. And so all these places I was trying to figure out, like, where is, you know, where can my beauty be recognized, uplifted, admired, and I didn't have anywhere but Jet uh, Magazine. And so I looked to the Jet Black Beauty of the Week um, coming up to try to figure out, you know, like where can Black people um, be represented at or Black women be represented at in a, in a beautiful, in a space of beauty. Um, and it's not so demeaning. I feel like a lot of times, you know, they, they try to hypersexualize darker skin. Um, and so that was kind of my experiences throughout life. Um, and I got to that point of being in DC trying to figure out what this monster was. And I figured I was going to take action and provide a space for dark skinned women to tell their truth and their story and heal and, and learn from each other because a lot of times we're marginalized, right? And we're told that, no, that's not true or that's not my experience or I'm dark skinned and ain't never happened to me. Okay, Felicia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. 
that's okay. Like, we understand that, right? Um, and that's okay that it never happened to you. I'm glad that it never happened to you, but that doesn't negate that it happened. It doesn't negate history, and it doesn't negate the systemic, um, like, convert, um, the message that colorism sends out. So that's kind of why I'm so passionate about this and, and where this came from. Yes. The, the, isn't that crazy? So, like, there are Black people who say, well, I don't experience racism. I never experienced racism. And people <laughs> will say the same same thing about colorism. I never experienced colorism. And I, I was like, I never, I've never been mugged on the street. That right. don't mean people don't get mugged. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what, my house has never been robbed. That don't mean people's houses don't get robbed. Like, just because something doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it's not a social problem, right? Period. <laughs> um, so I see that it's partly cloudy in Massachusetts from waist beads. I got to give me some waist beads for the summer. <laughs> Come on, Dr. Webb. <laughs> Sienna IM says yes to the twist on the both of you all. I'm wearing them too. Okay, twist fam. You know, Dr. Webb inspired me because I'm a very much so like a protective style. I don't like to deal with my hair. Um, it's just thick. I don't feel like dealing with this mess. So I throw a wig on, throw some braids on or whatever. And I said, you know what? It's important for you and me to show up as our authentic natural self with my natural hair growing out of my head. So I said, mm. what better way than to join the live with the doc? Hey, I love it because it's cute though. I honestly don't remember seeing your hair out, right? And so I'm like, it's cute, girl. <laughs> whenever you want to braid it up, but I said that's so true. It's so, and I need to remember that as I'm growing, right? Like my brand and how people see me, they see me with braids and weaves and all of this, but I love my natural hair. I love my fro. I'm embracing it and I want other women to do the exact same thing because we need to know that we're beautiful, beautiful with this hair that grows out of our head just the way that it does. Yes. And it's interesting because um, I like if you, people who see me on these lives, like, you know that I don't wear makeup. I don't even uh -huh. take the time to put lipstick on or whatever. So like when I tell you like my beauty routine is low maintenance, like it really is low maintenance. And that's why, that's precisely why it is twisted up. Cause I'm like, I can go to sleep like this all week. You know what I mean? And if I didn't have like a dandruff problem, I could go like several weeks without washing it, but I have to wash weekly. Um, but I think I would, I'm curious to know, right? And thinking about this pushback, you know, you alluded to some of it. People saying, well, it doesn't happen to me. Now that you have started like coming out more publicly and doing your work, putting your work out there, you know, building and growing this platform to raise awareness about colorism, what are some of the new challenges or some of the obstacles or hurdles you've had to come as, as like an activist now? Can I be honest with y'all? Mm -hmm. <sighs> Because this is such a challenge for me. So I'm a very introvert, extrovert, right? And a lot of times people cannot tell that about me because of this personality is so like, uh, 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 right? But for me, I prefer to be behind the scenes. Like I prefer to just push the message and not get in front of the screen and not get in front of the camera. Um, a fear of feeling like I'm going to say something wrong, right? Because you have all of these folks who are experts everywhere um, and everybody know everything. And, they want, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not an expert in this. I'm an expert in my experiences. So a lot of times what I do see coming in front of the camera is that, you know, people are ready to criticize me. People are ready to tell me that, you know, I said something wrong or I misquoted um, or that's not true. And sometimes that can detour me from doing what I need to do. But what I'm realizing is that, you know, 
people are going to criticize you whether, you know, you said something wrong about a celebrity. So go ahead and criticize me about getting something wrong when it comes to colorism, or maybe I misquoted something or I said something wrong. That's okay. The main thing is that I want people to see my heart. I want see people to see my passion. And this is why it's important for me to come in front of the screen. And a lot of times a part of my colorism healing, right? Like when dealing with colorism, I didn't want to be seen. And what I mean by that is like, if I shrink myself just enough, the jokes won't come right in the classroom. So if I just go in the classroom and sit right down, nobody will bother me, right? And so I realized that that was a defense mechanism that I used throughout my life to try to shrink myself in the background, right? But I was a basketball player. I was a cheerleader, right? I can tell some jokes funny. So it's like, no, how can you shrink yourself at the same time, but people feel like you're such this type of persona. And so a part of my colorism healing is coming in front of the screen and being confident in and knowing that you don't have to have it all figured out, right? And being confident and knowing that as long as you are coming from a place of love, coming from a place of education and understanding that it will all work out and the people who will support you will and the folks who won't won't so i'm learning not to be afraid and i'm learning to come out <laughs> behind the scenes and use my voice more because I've, i'm learning that i have something to say i got something to say so girl a whole sermon a whole <laughs> sermon in like 90 seconds like right there like i can't even i told y'all when i posted about this chat on Instagram, I said, brilliant, brilliant, <laughs> okay? Like, all of that. Like, I just want to, like, marinate on everything you just said. Thank you, Dr. Because Lee. it is so high, major, it's so major key. Major key, major key. right? Yes. Like, being seen. Man. Like, just showing up, like, taking a selfie as a dark-skinned Black woman who was made to feel, quote-unquote, ugly your Absolutely. entire life, that's resistance. Absolutely. That is your personal activism, right? You don't have to be like me and LaVonda and like have a page on colorism or like mm -hmm. host lives or workshops on colorism. You just looking at yourself in the mirror and smiling and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, do karaoke or I'm going to go on stage or I'm going to go on a live that somebody else invites me to. Like Absolutely. really just allowing yourself to be seen and not shrinking. And take that like, face. Taking up space. Right? Take up that space, I realized that I'm like, although I have this kind of personality, right? Like, I don't take up space in the sense of people wouldn't even know I never had a business, right? I never, I don't lead with my business. I don't lead with kind of this work that I'm doing. And I'm like, why is that? You know, why don't you, you lead with everything else, but what matters to you? So I'm yes. learning to lead with, you know, how I'm LaVonda White. I have a business. It's not, I'm just pretty. I'm a colorism activist, advocate, like whatever you want to call it. I'm just learning to take up that space and stand in it because, you know, I'm realizing that this is my passion. This is my mission. This is my purpose. And this is what I want to do in my life. This is what fulfills me. So I'm just leaning in to um, this calling or whatever you want to call it. I'm not going to run from it. So I'm, I'm getting in front of the camera more. I'm coming on lives more. I'm having my lives more. I'm putting myself out there more to figure up how to take up space because I never did. Yes. I, wanted, I wanted to be unseen. I didn't, I wanted to shrink. Yes. And that was my part of my story too. Like when I first started blogging my clothes, I remember people were like, I had known them for like a year and they'd be like, you never told me you had a blog. And I was like, 
conditioned to shrink so much man like a lot of times you feel like you're doing too much and really you're not even doing as much as you are being called to do right Absolutely. because the little littlest bit feels like a lot when you've been shrinking for your whole life exactly. it's overwhelming sometimes yeah. i'm like why why is going on live so overwhelming and i'm just like you know, like what what is this coming from? So I'm I'm just learning how to to lean into it and to and to be more confident um in in my abilities to communicate and to connect with people um online or just even in person. I'm like that's a gift that I have. So I'm just learning to to lean into it and to embrace it. And when people, you know, approach me about speaking about something, I'm like, wait, what? You want me to speak? Like, <laughs> wait a minute now. <laughs> I guess I got something to say. And I'm like, that's right. You know, you do have something to say and you do have a story that needs to be heard, right? And you you can come in, come from it from an angle where I always try to be careful, right? I'm not angry. I'm not an angry, dark-skinned black girl, right? But I'm aware of what's happening. And I want to educate you about what's happening and how this affects the workplace, how this affects family, right? How this affects marriage, um, getting married. Like everything matters. So get out your feelings and let's get into this work. We ain't got Get out your feelings and then come and pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, same guy, Kolo says, it's like speak on your own experience without dismissing others' experience. Yes. Um, Montessori Marvel says, can't start with parents a lot of times. I know personally my mom and her friends were constantly commenting on the fact that I was pretty because I was light-skinned and my mom was proud of it. Yeah, yeah, we do see a lot of parents um doting on their children and like being um proud of their children for being light-skinned right as opposed to being proud of their children for like being nice or sharing their toys right it's like being proud because they look a certain way um i am shanda rue omg this is everything yes show up okay, okay. <laughs> i ain't gonna put you on the spot i am shanda rue but you know what i'm talking about already <laughs> hey sarah um, so we are we will be taking questions too. We love to take your questions as well. I am Shannon who says, Wow, thank you for this honesty and vulnerability. I feel you. Girls hard. Uh, yeah. Um, love to see it and hear it. Inspires inspires us all to take up space ourselves too. Amen to that. All right. And also as you're talking about as you're talking. Go ahead. I said you said something about or it was a comment about um, it starts with the parents and how they admire their lighter skinned children. That is dangerous, right? Because you think about how the darker skinned children are um, perceived or how they're, how, they're, how they're, you know, cared for an environment where their skin is not valued and it's coming from their mother. So we got to stop, you know, doing that. That's very dangerous. And it just continues to perpetuate colorism and why it's so easy to just pop off and kill a dark-skinned black man or a dark-skinned black woman right so mm -hmm. yeah i just want to touch on that it's dangerous yeah and it's also dangerous for light-skinned folks to have their self-worth be based on their skin tone yeah right? like, that's not a good look either right no. like that if your confidence and your self-esteem comes from like an accident of birth right something you had no control over right then that's an unhealthy ego. And so instilling in your children 
actual value, like value in the things that matter, right? And not the superficial stuff, like that's, that's more important. So it's, it's unhealthy for light-skinned children too. Don't think that you're teaching them high self-esteem by praising them for being light-skinned. Like no, right? Like teach them self-esteem that's based on their character, right? And how they show up in the world and what they do as humans. That's um, exactly it. Yeah. And I also wanted to say, too, because you were talking about coming on lives, that, you know, you do have a live stream this evening, right? Do. You do yours on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. <laughs> Central, because I just saw the post, like, earlier uh -huh. today. So if you like what you're hearing now from LaVonda White, you can see more on her page. And now I'm just pretty, I, and we're not wrapping up yet. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious to know, in terms of, like, how, because... I remember one of the lives I caught with you, you were talking about an experience you had. I think you might have been at the airport, right? Uh-huh. But, and you were talking about, there was something too about like your boyfriend and being in a relationship with him. Yes. I'm curious to know what that dynamic is like to have a, a man in your life who is supportive of you, who shows up for you, who sees your beauty and worth as a dark-skinned woman, but not because of your skin tone. Right. Right. And I think that's a perspective we don't hear often. A lot of times we talk about how dark-skinned women are single, you know, myself right. included. Um, <laughs> but to hear positive stories from dark-skinned women who have, you know, loving and affirming relationships with men, um, kind of talk about like how that happens or if or how or if that inspires your work and how you approach this topic in, in any way. Oh, okay, Dr. Webb, the love life. So shout out to my honey. His name is Henry. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, if you need any math help, math help, check him out. He has a page to HBCU tutors, a black Ooh. mathematician, amazing. <laughs> and as far as I know, right, it's like the best of both worlds. You can read, you can write, what? Um, <laughs> but um, I think as far as that goes, like a lot of times when I'm doing this work, I'm saying people like, uh, my beauty was, you know, they didn't, my beauty had to be approved is what I would say. It's like, send a picture, mm -hmm. all of this, right? And people automatically assume that I had issues dating and nobody wanted to date me and um, all of this. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I never had an issue dating as far as be, men being attracted to me. It was just, just the fact that my beauty had to be approved first. That's the issue that I had. Is she dark skinned? Is she this? Is she that? As far as my relationship goes now and the, the, the issue you were referencing, is I was I was talking about colorism and relationships. So I have a um in a relationship, my honey, he's a, a lighter brown, uh darker brown, however you wanna characterize the man, right? And I talk about how people um they will acknowledge him first before they acknowledge me. And so on the airport, for example, we were going out of town and this other two white women had just walked away. They were greeted nicely, all this great stuff. And then hear me and my honey come and nobody said anything. He just looking, looking at me and I'm looking at him. He like, oh, well, you can go ahead and order. And I'm like, absolutely not. You're going to greet me just like you greeted everyone else. Um, because why wouldn't you not, right? And so, I mean, this just happens on a lot of different occasions where they will recognize my boyfriend before they recognize me. And I feel like that is in part due to colorism. Um, because why? Where's the disconnect coming from, right? And then as far as having a man that affirms my beauty and um, supports me, it's amazing to have someone love you just as you are and show up with your 
He loves my natural hair. He's like, I don't care about all that makeup, none of that. Just show up as you. That's what I love. That's who um, I want to be with. Everything else is great, but who you are is beautiful. And he always pushes me um, as far as my business goes to tell my story and to speak up and to um, call out colorism and don't be quiet about it. And he's like, you know, I got you. So this is, it, it feels good, Dr. Webb, I'm not going to lie. I was single for a very long time. I was single for five years. And so we've just been together going on two years now. Um, and it just felt good to have a, a Black man, right? Um, a Black man that is the strong Black man that's going to support you, uplift you, love you, um, and understands colorism, understands how it operates, mm -hmm. and is going to push you to be your greatest self. So I always, you know appreciate that for my partner because I couldn't imagine having someone that doesn't understand colorism and having someone that doesn't understand how it operates and doesn't support what um I'm trying to do I don't think it would work because there's no way you can be with me and not understand what colorism is so y'all my dark skin sisters the love is out there hold on to it like don't settle don't give up don't give in um just stay the course and you know um just do the work do do your inner work first right and that's what i was doing while i was single so hopefully that answers yes been single for a long time people say oh well maybe you know you ought to give this person a chance right yeah. they might not be as passionate as you are about colorism but that doesn't mean they're not Absolutely. a good guy right Absolutely. and so you have to know for yourself like okay the, this is what I need yes right? there are some women who can be with a man who doesn't understand colorism right there are some women who could be with a man who doesn't even acknowledge colorism right, right? but uh I don't know. That ain't, I, that ain't me. <laughs> yeah, whatever your thing is, I think you always just want, right? Whatever your thing is, you just want a partner that understands it, right? Yes, like, and supports yes. it. And even if they don't understand it, they want to understand, right? I mm -hmm. want to learn what that is like. I want to be able to identify with you and, and feel where you're coming from. So I think ultimately it's just getting a partner who... Um, wants to understand you and wants to uh to love you and get to know you right because getting to know me is, is getting to know colorism and loving me is 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 loving um the the work or supporting the work that i'm doing so get you someone that's gonna love the thing whatever that is about you um and yeah. that will support it because you need support mm -hmm. in anything that you're doing especially from a man that you call in your 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 boyfriend fiance husband partner whomever your partner is um don't settle for a person that don't support you no right right and I've, I've talked to guys where it was like <clears throat> there was a debate right like they they wanted to play devil's advocate with colorism 
And I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. No, we, that's what we're not going to do today no. is play devil's, devil's advocate about colorism, right? we don't and, do it about racism. So Yes. Yeah, right? We don't do that about racism. We don't. And so I'm not going to do it about color. It's just, it's not a negotiation. It's a non, this is something that you cannot, exactly. we not, this ain't the court, right? You ain't about, to, I'm not the judge. We ain't about to go back and forth. No, bye. Right. Yes. Um, and I think for anyone who's like, because sometimes there's the perception too, that you are difficult to date as a dark skinned woman. <laughs> because you have a chip on your shoulder because of colorism, right? No, and like you said earlier, you know, I'm not the angry dark skinned black woman, right? But this is one of these are one of the stereotypes that we face as darker skinned black women. Absolutely. When people justify not dating us, when people justify not partnering with us in any kind of relationship dynamic, people justify not hiring us because they think we're angry and have an attitude, right? Absolutely. And so that negative stereotype has impacted us as dark-skinned women like in every facet of society, right? It's the reason why darker-skinned girls are three times more likely to be suspended than yep. girls with very light skin. It's because of that perception, that stereotype that we must have bad attitudes or that we are just naturally more aggressive or angry, right? But I think that what I hope people understand about dark-skinned women is that we have been hurt, right? Absolutely. And so when, when it does manifest as anger, when that pain, that hurts, um, calluses over, like the anger is like a callus forming over a wound, forming over that tender spot that keeps getting, you know, poked at and like stepped on and trotted on, right? So you can't keep, as a society, you can't keep like battering dark-skinned women and not expect that callus to form as a self-protective mechanism, right? Um, but that's also like, I also acknowledge that dark-skinned women, you know, we have to heal also because anger has its uses, it has its place, but if we don't process it, if we don't learn how and where and when to channel it in productive ways, it can become self-destructive as well, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very self-destructive. Yes. So in terms of your perception and things that you have come to understand, right? Okay. Are there any surprises, any like revelations or like new ways of seeing colorism or seeing the world that you have come un come to understand since doing this work, right? Or like what's the the one like aha moment that you've had since you started studying and thinking about colorism mm -hmm. more deeply? And while you think about that, um, Kat Rivers asks how. Um, so if you can, Cat Rivers, clarify what you're asking how about. You know, that is such a great question, Dr. Webb. And I think Dr. Um, Gaston Janice, Janice, um, who got me in Forbes and wrote my article um, when I was published in Forbes, she asked me, what is a world without colorism? Mm. Like, what does a world... Hey, Melanin Queens, what does a world without colorism look like? And I told her, I don't know. I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And she said half of the battle is that we have to see it first. And I said, you know what? I said, you're so white, right? Because I was sitting here thinking about 
trying to figure out what a world would be without colorism. Like, what is a world without, you know, these second graders telling me that they don't want to play outside because they don't want to get too dark, right? Like, what is a world with without the blacky jokes, the burnt crispy jokes, um, the dark skin jokes? What is a world without um, feeling like, you know, you're scared because the police is behind you? Like, I couldn't fathom a world without that and so for me I think my aha moment in this work is starting to figure out what that world would look like and how to get there um in this work so I'm 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 trying to just bring about and visualize a world free of colorism right a world free of racism right a, a world um free of oppression <laughs> and marginalization of, of of people because of their skin tone so that's kind of where like my aha moment is is i was too busy i was too busy like i just it can't be a world without colors and what does it look like but i'm like you i need to start re-envisioning and reimagining a world without colorism so i can figure out how to infuse that into my work so for me, my aha moment was realizing that Lavanda and this work, although you don't see it right now, you have to see it. So it can keep your work going. It can keep you motivated. It can keep you going. So a world without colorism looks like colorism curricul curriculum in schools, right? It, it looks like policies in place to protect people um, from, um, you know, being mistreated because of their darker skin, right? Like that's what a world without colorism looks like. So if that answers my question. That's my aha. Yes, that is so valuable, so beautiful and poetic, but also oh. so valuable for people to hear, right? And it just further confirms for me that like we are soul tribe folks, right? Because I was thinking about like the title of one of my earlier workshops was the revision workshop. It's a writing workshop, so it's a play on like revision, but also hyphenated so that it's like re- vision as in reimagine. Yes. And like I was telling people, I said in order to you know, create a different future, we have to be able to imagine it first, right? So exercising that imagination. And it's almost like, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking too, like people have to be able to imagine for their individual selves too, right? So yes, Man. imagine for the world. But even if you just start with imagining a different future for you, right? Just imagining a different future for like you as an individual, like what is it, what will it look like when you heal? from colorism? What will it look like when you address and rid yourselves of toxic biases and toxic attitudes, right? What would it look like when you are leveraging your privilege yes. for the greater good of other people instead of yes. the selfish reasons, right? Um, and so starting with even that individual vision, right? And then thinking about collectively as a vision, like for the world at large, um, exercise that imagination. And that's why I think too, when we talk about like solving these issues, the arts and the creativity and like the music i know we have some musicians on here and um at you know athletes teachers um i don't know parents you know kids like everybody has their place because yes. it does require like all those elements it requires the hard policy like the legal laws yes but it also requires that imagination right man um, there was something else i was gonna ask it's so much <laughs> you were talking i'm thinking like our own my own colorism healing journey like what is the, what does that look like when i'm imagining myself not being in bondage anymore to mm -hmm. colorism right so i'm not questioning like oh my goodness this is too light for my you know this color too light for my nails or you know um i want to get color in my hair am i going to be too dark for that or i want to wear this certain lipstick you know is this is going to look right on my skin right and so in my colorism healing journey 
I'm also doing that with myself because I've been so used to questioning, am I too dark for something for mm -hmm. years? Am I too dark for this? I'm too dark for this. We're going to turn on the light. You know, I'm so used to policing myself as if black people, we don't police ourselves enough already. I'm policing my skin tone, something that I have no control over, right? It's here. So even just bringing that into my own colors and healing uh, journey is very important. Yes. And then like that is directly in line with what you were saying earlier, like policing yourself, asking yourself, am I going to be too dark for this? I kind of, I, what I hear with that and what I sense with that is also the, the need to shrink. The need to make your darkness, yes. your dark complexion, less obvious. Absolutely. Right? Like, I don't want to make that stand out. Right? If I got that neon color bright. on, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yes, Dr. Yes. yes. Um, so Kat River says, sorry, how can someone stay with a partner that does not both understand and do the necessary work to end colorism? Gotcha, Kat Rivers. Great question. I think, I feel like that's a rhetorical question, <laughs> but yeah, because I don't, I mean, for me personally, I would not do that, right? Um, I am Shanda Rule says, where does learning the history of colorism play into this reimagining? A lot of it seems to re-traumatize. Ah, so this is a great question. I that mean, is a Shanda great question. Rule. Do you have initial thoughts? Give me five seconds. Okay. <laughs> and then even thinking about like learning the history of colorism, like, has it revealed, in your understanding of colorism, has it revealed anything to you? Like, how has learning that history helped you to imagine something different? Hmm. It, it, it seems to re-traumatize. That is a great, 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 great question. I think as far as the re-traumatizing, a lot of, because colorism is not, it's like this taboo, it's not like, I broke the law because I jaywalk, right? And so I got a ticket for jaywalking versus what if I'm being colorist by saying, you know, um, I don't date dark skinned people. That's just my preference, right? So I, I think for me, it's not so much of re traumatizing because I have to unlearn to learn. So I have to unlearn what I was taught um, was right about this history, this world um to know that it's not right and then also learn where it came from so that i don't continue to perpetuate it so i wouldn't necessarily say it's traumatizing um for me but i know that it can be traumatizing um for some folks to um to imagine a world like that but i think it's important that we have to unlearn and so we have to go to that place um that maybe you know it could be traumatizing or it could be sad or um not a positive place to learn and to to educate ourselves so we can move past it and i think a lot of colorism is tied to folks being ignorant They're, they don't know they don't they don't know so they continue to um to move in a way that um is traumatizing right is mm -hmm. is from slavery right so I, I just think it's important to 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 unlearn to learn. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. And I'm wondering, so like if I had to, because I'm not just going to ask you to answer the question, I'm going to offer an answer. <laughs> I'm not going to make you do all the work by yourself. Um, because I think, for me, I think one potential to learning the history, or one potential benefit to learning the history is that it helps to alleviate that sense of being gaslit, that gaslighting, 
of like, oh, you're just making this up. Mm -hmm. Oh, colorism is a trivial issue. Oh, you know, that's not really a thing, right? When we actually learn the history of colorism, we realize like, nah, this is a legitimately, you know, entrenched systemic form of oppression, right? And so I think that um, actually validates, it can validate your attention to the cause is to acknowledge like the what that like how awful that legacy really is and so for me like the more i learn about the history of colorism the more i'm like okay yeah this is like worthy of my life's work right this is worthy of my time and attention because of how awful and how like big of a problem it really is um but i think too like the the cliche it's cliche but it's also like true right if we don't know our history we're doomed to repeat it Absolutely. And so I think I'm, I'm hoping that we can learn from the history and build on it, right? And like see what has worked, like what had the potential to work, but maybe got sabotaged, you know, for whatever reasons. Absolutely. Like, do we, you know, can we borrow from something or adapt things from the past in order to like make progress toward that future? But it is, it can re-traumatize. Absolutely. Like just the conversation of colorism in general can re-traumatize. But I think it's like the healing process hurts more than the original wounds, right? You hear a lot of people say that, like, to, in order to heal. That's it's good. just like, if that, if that sword went in, if that arrow went in, like, the process of taking it out is going to be painful, right? Yes. It is going to, like, create another type of pain in the process of taking that out. So it's almost like, in order to get to the healing, you kind of have to circle back. <laughs> you do. Sometimes you just do have to, like, circle back to that wound and be like, okay, like, I don't want to go back there, but in order to, like, move forward, sometimes you got to go backwards. I don't know. That's therapy, though. That's yeah. a, I mean, honestly, that's what you do when you go to therapy. You, you're dealing with these issues, and you have to go back to those places um, because you use whatever defense mechanisms that you, you had in front of you to kind of to, to guard it, to hide it, to not deal with it, right? And so for me, it was um using kind of basketball maybe sports cheerleading um my personality as a way to cover up what truly was happening inside of me and that was that I wanted to bleach my skin I wanted to be lighter I didn't feel beautiful I didn't feel um accepted but no one knew and and it wasn't until I started to kind of get that language and and explore colorism that I realized that I was in bondage like I was in bondage to my own skin tone and so I had to go back to that place and you know of hurt and I would be like I would get so emotional when I first started talking about it because I couldn't grasp that I like hated myself because I was dark skinned and it was very emotional for me. Sometimes I still get emotional because I'm still healing, but I'm, I'm learning that every time I talk about it, every time I go to that place, every time I dig deep in myself and tell my truth, it, it gets me stronger to a place where I know that um, I'm healing from it because I can talk about it, right? I'm healing from it because I'm not getting so emotional um, and, and, and being hard on myself. Like, why did you hate yourself? Like, why were you like that? You know, I used to be so hard on myself and I'm like, wait a minute, no. Like, it, it wasn't your fault. Like, this is colorism. This is what it is. And so I think, um, although it was traumatizing, I would say, you know, it was a, it was a, it was, it was necessary for me to heal, right? I had to go to that place of hurt to get to where I am now, because my best friends always say somebody is connected to you. 
right? Mm -hmm. Somebody is connected to your mission. Somebody is connected to your vision and passion. And so somebody is connected to me. And if I want to, if I'm truly talking about this healing and helping people, then I got to make sure that I'm walking in that purpose and I'm walking and walking, talking and talk, right? Because somebody is connected to me. So I need to tell them how I came through, right? It wasn't something that happened over. I didn't love myself overnight. I didn't, you know, love my natural <laughs> hair in two seconds. And I'm still on that journey to this day. But um, I'm putting one foot in front of the other and I, we're making progress. So I call my, my folks my village. Like, as a village, we're going to do this together. So you're going to see my hurt, my pain, my struggles, um, and we're going we're gonna to do it together. And so I just would encourage you, you know, although it can be traumatizing, is to sit in that place and and to be in that place, but also know that's not where you have to end up, right? Like, it's, it's the, there's always light at the end of the tunnel if you put one foot in front of the other and you learn from it and you always pay it for i'm always trying to pull somebody else behind me i'm always trying to encourage someone i'm always i always tell people like look i'm here if you need me you call me like not just on instagram because colorism is that important to me and i don't want another dark-skinned woman to feel like she's less than or she's not beautiful or she doesn't have anyone to call on because you can call on me so i hope that helps ain't, ain't that a song that feels like a song <laughs> you can call <laughs> If you be a friend, I don't know. Call me. I'll be there. I don't know. What is it? Maybe we have to write a jingle. We might have to write like an anthem. Yeah, we have to write an anthem. Cat River says, "I think they do know. They don't want to accept accountability. White, black, English, Spanish, whatever." Yeah, some people do know for sure. Like I think some people have like that cognitive dissonance where they might not be consciously aware. I think everybody knows on some level, but like it has to come to the forefront of your consciousness. And there are other people where like they know clear as day, like they are choosing to be explicitly colorist. Like those people do exist. Um, and then Blue Dragonfly. What's up, Blue Dragonfly? The one drop rule was law. It supports white supremacy body and reinforces a caste system. It is important to know why and how Absolutely. this all began. Yeah, that is, I think, knowing how it began is like a good step to like ending it. <laughs> like knowing the origin is a good step to getting to the, getting out of it. Um, Toye, dealing with trauma is truly a process, truly a process. Thank yes. you for your story. Amen. Yes. I see a little question here. Let's see. Um, do the experiences of women from other countries aid in the healing process for either of you? Great question, Cat Rivers. <laughs> that is a great question. For me, I have to say absolutely yes. So I'll like offer an answer like you think of yours because of the international colorism healing writing contest like when I first started writing about colorism I was thinking about you know that younger version of me that little like dark-skinned African-American girl dealing with colorism alone with nobody to talk to and so I started this writing contest and I was surprised that people from other countries were asking me to submit I was like what like really like people all <laughs> over the world want to talk about this and so like that for me has definitely been a part of my healing process and knowing again just knowing that you are not alone and when you realize the masses of people who have had these experiences with colorism of feeling being made to feel less than because of their skin was darker like when you realize just how many people have have that story you're like well dang we like, twins <laughs> we got different daddies look yes yes <laughs> 
I love it. I, and I think because colorism is a global issue, yeah. I think a global coalition is like a, a, a thing that needs yeah. to exist, right? It kind of exists. Like we make these international connections. You know, sometimes we'll have like multicultural panels, yeah. like international panels. But I think um, at this point in humanity, like we live in a global world like our world is irreversibly global at this point and so we have to like not be siloed in our regional you know on our regional islands and like really see that okay it's, it's all global at this point so we need each other around the globe and that's why dr webb is gonna start it um <laughs> <laughs> That's why Dr. Webb, you know, we gon' we gonna get this together, whatever yes. it is. But I will have to say yes, absolutely. I went to study abroad in Cape Town, South Africa, um, before I graduated almost two years ago now. And um Simmerin was one of my um not coworkers, roommates. We live in this big house, right? I live with folks from Japan, from China, from <laughs> Denmark, from um all these places so can you imagine uh what it was like to be in that place um with all those different cultures and then folks who have never even experienced black folks right mm -hmm. um but Simran, for example um she is indian and she started to tell me about her experiences with colorism and about how her mom thought something was wrong with her skin her sister's skin because it was darker so she took her to the hospital um to figure out what was going on and i was like wow like can you come and, and talk on my colors me please week about your experiences because I wanted to let people and to get people to understand that this is not just a black issue. This is something that is a global issue and that people across cultures experience colorism. And so she definitely has helped me, my Puerto Rican and Dominican sisters. Absolutely. I feel like there's power. Um, there's power when you can connect with um, a different person outside of your race and the common issue, uh, the commonality there is colorism. So I absolutely agree that when we um, when we find that that communal space between sisterhoods with different folks, that is power in that because now we can share our stories with their folks. They can share our stories with our folks. And like Dr. Webb said, how are we going to get this colorism international um, convening going on, right? Because yes. the end goal for me is policy change. And everybody like, what does that look like? I don't know, but I'm going to keep saying it until <laughs> it manifests in my brain. And then it right, you got to speak that thing. So we will have policy implication or uh, impact at the local level and then eventually at the federal level. You know, I'm just going to keep mm -hmm. calling it out. The same mm -hmm. thing. Yes. Um, I am Shanda Rue says, sit in that place, but that's not where you have to end up. Yes. yes. And that's with um, everything. Sit in it, but you don't got to be in it with life. Period. Yeah. And then um, Imitoye says, it's going to take a global stance against white supremacy to dead it. 100. 100%. And also, I think like national boundaries are um, artificial. Like at the end of the day, like the idea or the concept of a country is like as random as race. You know what I mean? Like somebody somewhere, not us, for capitalistic, patriarchal, white supremacist purposes, came up with this system of like saying, oh, this is one nation and this is a separate nation. And like, you know, like really is just the earth at the end yep. of the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, let's see. All right. So. 
we are coming up on the hour. And even though Instagram allows us to go over an hour, I like to respect people's time. And I know that you are a busy career woman. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we want people to get in any last questions while you can. Yes, please. Right? So drop any other questions in the chat. But in Those the meantime, like while we're, you know, allowing people to get their final questions in, I would like to hear what would you like there are a couple now now i'm thinking about there are a couple of things i want, I want come to on dr webb come with it so that like the gemini, first the first one Look. you know you see you see that gemini that gemini coming out right now like okay <laughs> at first i said one thing now it's two things and it might be four by the time we've done um but what is one thing you would like to say to your younger self to your past self now seeing how far you've come and you have come Oh, you've come a long way. Long so, day. like, if you could, if you had a younger version of you sitting on this camera, pretend, pretend like I'm not here and, like, you're on a live chat with, like, younger LaVonda. That's so emotional, Dr. Webb. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Dr. Webb want these tears to come down, y'all. But um, I don't. <laughs> I think one thing that I would say to younger LaVonda was um, to to use my voice, I would say, um, is to use my voice because again, I didn't want to be seen. I wanted, which means I didn't want to be heard. Um, and I was okay with that. And that manifested a lot, a lot throughout my life. Right. You think, I think about relationships. I think about, um, friendships. I think about family, how, you know, because I, I don't want confrontation or anything. It was just okay, right? I, you allow people to move and, and to be and to treat you a certain way. And I've never used my voice. And so I would tell younger LaVonda to, to use her voice because everything that she thought was right. <laughs> everything that I thought um, was wrong or wasn't wrong, I was right. Like what I was thinking um, was right. And I was so afraid to have a voice because I felt like that then the attention would be on me. So I would tell younger Levada, and even now, right, I'm still learning to use my voice and to lean into who I am becoming, right, in this journey of becoming who I am. I'm just, Levada, like, use your voice, right? Like, it's okay. You have something to say. You're not just on live just talking because I cannot stand being on live and just talk, right? But use your voice. That's what I would say. Use your voice. It's powerful, even as a little mm -hmm. girl. I had I, w I used to live in Utah, y'all. I used to live in Utah, and I told my mom at a young age. I said, um, "I don't want to live here. They don't like black people." <laughs> and that I was just I'm just like I could I was a young age, and I was like I don't want to be here because they don't like black people here. And I, I was very aware at a very young age, and I just never used my voice. So anybody on here, I want to encourage you, while I'm encouraging myself, to use your voice because you have something to say. Again, you have a message, and somebody is connected to you. So get out of your own way. Get out your way. Get out your way. Get out your yes. way. Yes. So that has so much to do with what the other question was, right, is there are I'm, a, I'm an all hands on deck kind of person and i think that yeah like in order for us to really see progress we need everybody to like take their position is that the right terminology or like to like get in place i don't know get in formation what get in formation like <laughs> said. 
Um, so like, in addition to like using your voice, what words of encouragement do you have for someone who's like on the fence, right? Like they've been typing that post about colorism and deleting it for the past six months. And like, they're about, they're like, they're just on the edge of getting the courage to post it and use their voice. Like what might you say to encourage them to go ahead and like speak their truth? Huh, that is good, Dr. Webb. And I, I would just say, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> what is the worst thing that could happen if you finally decide to push, you know, post, right? Maybe yep. you misspelled a word or maybe you're going to get some feedback or something like, what is the worst thing that can happen? I always just like, what's the worst? I can be rejected. Okay, that's fine. You know, oh, somebody might comment that they don't agree with. Okay, that's fine too, but I did it. So I would just encourage you, even start small, right? Even just start waking up in the mirror. Sometimes you got to talk to that thing yourself. Talk to yourself and encourage yourself and, you know, use those affirmations. You know, I am necessary. I have something to say. You know, my voice is needed. I am beautiful. I lack nothing. I have everything that I need to be successful. I have everything I need to be who I am or who I choose to be, right? So I wake up and I pour into my own cup before I can pour it into somebody else's cups, right? Right, because this is this is pouring into people's cup, right? We're pouring, we're, we're giving ourselves to people. And so you have to, when you're doing or this type of work or taking a social stance, I should say, you have to pour into your own cup and tell yourself that you can. And you have to shut that naysayer in your head up because the only difference between what successful people and not successful people is the fact that successful people took a chance. Everything is on the other side of fear. And so I have to tell myself every day, <laughs> everything that I want is on the other side of fear. Everything that I need for my business is the sales, the, the support, the everything I need is on the other side of fear. So either you're going to step up to the plate and get, you know, we only got one life to live. Ain't nobody a cat, right? We got... <laughs> We got one time at this thing. We right? might we might have some feline tendencies, but uh <laughs> we got one shot to make an impact, right? And to leave a legacy. So what are people gonna be saying about you when you're gone? Right. And I don't want anybody to say, you know, I don't want to even for myself be like, dang, I should've, but I didn't. You know, life is too short to be the shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? Perfect it along the way. Get better along the way. Um, get maybe those two, three friends that you need to encourage and support you. And reach out to me if you need some support, because I will push you off the edge <laughs> into your destiny. I'm a good, uh, what is it, a dream pusher. I'm a good hope pusher. I will push you off the edge to your destiny, yeah. but you got it. Start with yourself. Yes. Oh, on that note, the affirmation "I am necessary." Oh, that's that's a good one right there. I'm necessary. Um, so follow now. I'm just pretty on Instagram and Facebook. Are you on any other platforms? Um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we will be getting a LinkedIn. We on Clubhouse, y'all. But when I tell you we ain't got on that app yet, <laughs> we're working on it. But so yes. far, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter will be joining LinkedIn very soon. And again, we'll have some. Um, initiatives coming up, you all. And so thank you, Dr. Webb, again, for yeah. allowing me to utilize your amazing platform. You are necessary. You're such an inspiration. I admire your work, y'all. One day I'm going to go to school and I'm getting my PhD and I'm joining Dr. Webb and I'm like, y'all can't tell me nothing because I'm an expert, right? Like, I'm, I'm an expert in my experiences and I'm an expert because I got that schoolwork going. Um, yes. So... <laughs> 
I love your your energy right there. Like that was that was Yeah, one day we're gonna be there. We 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 gonna get there. But you know, until then, like you said, I'm necessary, right? So my voice is needed and I'm here and I'm standing this work unsure. Um not knowing everything, not knowing when something is right. You know, that's what you have Google for. So just get out your way. But Dr. Webb, you keep paving the way for us, for women like myself who want to get into this field and be activists and to join this work because, you know, you're so necessary. And I can imagine, I'm like, what if I never came across colorism healing? <laughs> like you pushed me to do so much and you don't even know. Like, I'm like, what if I never found Dr. Webb, someone I can hold on to and who was very encouraging and post very, um, you're very poetic and you all, I always say, you always know what to say. And I'm like, dang it. Like, how do you have this, you know, where you just say it, you know, so eloquently. And I just want to post and be like, I don't got time to explain. Um, <laughs> use google um but no i i want you to know that you know you're, you 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 are needed in the space and colorism healing is going to be just elevated like beyond this world and i cannot yeah. wait until you are just like up here at the top of the top and then just don't forget about us look take us with you please we love you you are you are so cute i love it <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Um, and I will say, like, because you're you're younger than me, right? Yes, I'm 33. Okay. Oh, so you're not that much younger, because I'm 30. I'm about. To, I'm going. I'm transitioning from 35 to 30. Sexy is what I say. Yeah. Um, you know, June 6th. Black don't crack. Uh, happy birthday. So I think, like, yeah, I definitely am. That's part of my mission, right? Is like training up other people, like you know, empowering other people because. Even at 36, I, I see my mortality. Like, I'm like, I ain't going to be here forever. Right, and right. I would like other people to be able to continue the work and not have to start from scratch. Right. All right, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I just love, love, love my Tuesday afternoon. Y'all make it so awesome. <laughs> and don't forget to check out um, LaVonda's live tonight. tonight. Just a few more hours. Just a few more hours. We're going to be talking about beauty standards and colorism, of course. So join us tonight at um, 6 p.m. We had to move it up because I have work stuff to do. Um, but join us tonight at 6 p.m. Great conversation. And yeah, thank you all so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Please remember to hit the like button and share this episode with a friend. I hope you can join us again for the next one.